0: Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come together today and we meet here on Christmas Eve, the eve of the day that we celebrate your birth, Lord God, we thank you, Father, for sending your Son, the Son who is eternally by your side. The Son who has always been and always will be eternal God, you sent because of our sin and our shame. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for willingly coming to this earth, becoming like one of us. You set aside your eternal glory. And you became a mere man, like one of us. And you lived a life that we could never live, of life in complete perfection. And you gave your life on Calvary's cross, so that we might have life in you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. For applying the redemption that Christ has won for us into our lives. Oh Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, it can become about so many things. But Lord God, as your children, let us not lose sight of the true meaning the true gift that was given to us in Jesus. Oh, Lord, let us see that even more today. Let us understand the depths of your grace today as we consider the incarnation of your Son, Jesus. Be with us now, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning... Turn with me to Romans, Romans chapter 8. Good morning we're looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, as we consider Christ the Savior is born. We are celebrating the birth of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful time in history that was. It was the moment in history... When God became a man. This is the one truth that makes us different from every other religion in the world. For every other religion in the world, they have many gods. But their God didn't come to be a man. Their God didn't step out of glory to save his people from their sins. We serve a God, the God, the one and only God who loved us in such a way that he sent his one and only beloved Son, not only to come and to be a man, but to die for those whom he loves. So today we're looking at the incarnation, that is the coming in the flesh of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ So if you found your places there in Romans chapter 8, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For... God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. The greatest gift of all is the gift of life. Little Matthew Easley was born on May 1st of this past year, 2017, in Houston, Texas, to his parents, Stephen and Megan Easley. Now, Stephen and Megan were excited to to welcome their newborn son into the world, but on May 1st, when Matthew was born, it was found that he had a rare heart disease, a rare heart condition, in which half of his heart, the right side of his heart, had not developed properly. Of course, they spent um, the first few weeks of his life, surgery after surgery, trying to just stabilize Matthew, but in, in reality, the only hope for Matthew was a heart transplant. He had to receive a heart transplant, or sooner or later, he would perish. So the parents there began to pray for a heart for Matthew. I can imagine as weeks turned into months, surely enough, the Easleys would have began to wonder wonder if a heart would ever come, but they continued to pray, and they continued to hold on to hope that a heart would come and save Matthew's life, but on October 3rd, on October 3rd they got the word that a heart had come available, and little Matthew was going to get the heart that he needed to save his life. Today, Matthew is still on the long road to recovery, but he's doing well. He's fighting a good fight and looks like he's going to have a long, healthy life. You know, our greatest gift, our greatest gift came wrapped in flesh and bone when God the Son second person of the trinity took on flesh and blood, flesh and blood and came and lived among us so that we might have life eternal life in him today our text is about god's deliverance through the incarnation of his son jesus christ As we look at this passage this morning, you look at the first verse there. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now notice there, there is now no condemnation. That word now is very important because it indicates that there was condemnation it tells us that we were condemned. There was a time when we were condemned. We were condemned outside of Christ. We were condemned when we were in our sin and our rebellion against God. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 gives us a, a pretty good picture of our State before we were in Christ Jesus, dear Christian. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the apostle says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead in your rebellion against God. As you were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that is the devil, the prince of this world, this world system in which we now live. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind you see dear friend dear christian there was a time in which we were condemned we were condemned because of our rebellion against god our creator who gave us life and breath and he set his law before us thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The law of God. As God set his law before us, we despised it. And we rebelled against God. We built other gods before us. The gods of wealth. The gods of health. The gods of material things. We set ourselves above God. And we stand condemned before Him. And dear friend, if you are not in Christ today, let me assure you, if you are not in Christ, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you remain condemned. You sit here today before me a condemned person. Because of your rebellion against God. But there is hope for you today. There is hope and we will see that as we work through this passage. Now, we are condemned. We were condemned outside of Christ. But now there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because, and this is the whole point of this passage in which we are looking at. Because, of God's deliverance through the incarnation of Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because of God's deliverance through the incarnation of Christ. The coming of Christ in flesh and blood. That's what incarnation means. Because of God's deliverance through the incarnation of Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus well as we consider that this morning I want us to see that we're going to break this passage down and see all of the elements here and see how there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the father sent the son to be condemned There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Father, God the Father, sent the Son to be condemned. Look there at our passage. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. We're going to come back to that passage in a moment. For, because, verse 3, because God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now Paul here has been already been talking about in the the chapter before this, in chapter 7, he has been talking a lot about the law of God. And he tells us in chapter 7 that the law is good. In fact, he starts that by saying, or do you not... uh, or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law, excuse me, let me go down to verse 7 of chapter 7. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet But sin seized an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Now, we have to understand that our Creator, after He had created us, He gave mankind His law. He gave us the law. The law of God is is what He tells us, if you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, if you keep my law, this is what's best for you. God's law is a loving act of God. As he gives us his law, it's a loving act. This is what's best for you. I created you, and now I'm giving you this law, and this is what's best for you. If you will do my law, you will be blessed. But a sin came into the world, as Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, God said, you can have all of the trees in the Garden of Eden except for this one tree. Don't eat it of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for surely the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You got all of this, Adam and Eve. All of this is good for you. This one tree, the fruit is bad for you. Don't eat it. What did Adam and Eve do? They went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they partook of its fruit. And it's the same for each and every one of us, of their children, all of us, children of Adam and Eve. God says, here's my law. If you'll do my law, if you'll follow my law, it's good for you, it will bring you life. But we said, no thanks, God. We want to do things our way. We set God's law aside. And instead of bringing us life, God's law brings us death. Because Paul tells us earlier in the book of Romans, the wages of sin, the wages of our rebellion against God is death. Not just physical death. If that were all it was, then it wouldn't be nearly as bad. But the wages of sin is not just physical death. It is spiritual death. It is an eternity away from God and all of his goodness. That's the penalty for our rebellion against God's law. The law is good. It's holy. It's righteous. But we want no part of it. Therefore, it brings us death. But God, He has done what the law could not do. What the law could not do because of our sinful flesh. You see, it is our flesh, our sinful flesh, that makes the law useless to us. In fact, instead of being good for us because of our sinful flesh, the law is now death to us. It condemns us. We are condemned because we have rebelled against god's law but god and his love for us has done what the law weakened by our old sinful flesh absolutely positively could not do and how did he do what the law could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin can you imagine that God sent his son. We were rightly condemned, rightly condemned for our rebellion against God. But God sent his son, his eternal son, to come take on. Sinful flesh. Take on the likeness of sinful flesh. To become like one of us. To set aside His glory. To leave heaven and come to be like one of us. For sin. Notice there it says, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Now you could say there, translate that, on the part of, or on behalf of sin. In other words, he sent his son to take care of our sin problem. We have a problem, and it's a sin problem. It's a, a problem of rebellion. And God sent his son to take care of our sin problem. Now, when you think about young Matthew there, You know, you have to realize that for Matthew to get the heart that he needed to live, another child had to die. Now I can imagine that those parents of the child who died, they graciously donated their child's heart, knowing that their child had no hope of survival. Their hope Their child was dead, but they graciously donated the heart so that another child could live. But I guarantee you, and if you are a parent, you know this, those parents didn't willingly say, kill my child so Matthew could live. But God, the Father, sent His Son willingly sent his son to die, to be born a little baby boy here on this earth to take and set his glory aside to take on sinful flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh, to be born as a baby in a dark, dirty manger all for the purpose for him to go 33 years later and die on Calvary's cross. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He could have sent us all to hell and been right in doing so. But God willingly, willingly sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on behalf of sin, on our behalf of our sin problem so that he could condemn his Son in the flesh on our behalf so that we might have life. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Father sent the Son to be condemned for sin. Oh, the love of the Father for us. That he would send his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross so that you and I might not perish. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Father sent the Son to be condemned and second, because the Son Became condemned for us. The Son became condemned for us. Now that word there, became, is very important. He became condemned for us. It's not that the Son was condemned. The Son was in perfection. He didn't deserve condemnation, but the Son willingly, gladly became condemned for us. Notice the passage. It says there, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. That is the incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. Then in verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father. John, of course, there's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning. All things were created in Him and through Him, and there was not anything that was made that was made without Jesus Christ. He was eternally God. And Jesus Christ willingly stepped out of His glory and came to this earth, and He took on the likeness of sinful flesh. It's important to notice that, that He says He doesn't take on sinful flesh, but He takes on the likeness of sinful flesh. He came to be like us, but not in every aspect. The scripture tells us that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Now that is very important. A lot of people today would say, oh no, that's, that can't be true because we know the natural way of things and there's no such thing as a virgin birth. But let me tell you, God is above nature. He is above the natural. That's why he is supernatural and he can accomplish the impossible. This is the one who speaks and things happen. He spoke all of creation into being. Certainly, he can make it where his son Comes born by the virgin. And it's important that Jesus was born by a virgin birth. Because if he had not been born by a virgin birth, if his father had have been Joseph, then he would have had the seed of sin. As you say, God overcomes sin. And God sent his son to be born of a virgin. So that he might not have the sinful corruption that we have. See, we're naturally born with a sinful corruption, a sin nature. We have inherited it from generation to generation, all the way from Adam down to our grandparents and our parents, all the way down to us. We are sinners by our very nature. But Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Born of a Virgin Mary. Born of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the sin nature that we have. But yet, in every other way, he was like us. He was tempted like we are tempted. In fact, we see before he starts his earthly ministry that Jesus went out into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. Just like Adam was tempted in the Garden of Eden by Satan to eat of the forbidden fruit, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And where Adam failed, Jesus failed completed his mission and he remained sinless in all of his life he remained without sin he was born in the likeness of sinful flesh he became like one of us in every way except for he did not sin for there was no sin nature in him but yet he came for sin And in Jesus Christ, the Father condemned sin in the flesh. God condemned sin in the flesh of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life without sin. No sin in the Son of God. And yet, He died the death of a sinner. He died the death of a condemned man by going to Calvary's cross. For God's Word even says, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Jesus Christ was hung upon a tree, condemned, cursed. Not because of his sin, not because of his rebellion. He lived his whole life in obedience to the Father's will. Yet he went to the cross and there on Calvary's cross cross, he stood condemned but he stood condemned not for his sin not for his rebellion but for our sin and our rebellion. He became our substitute. This is that theological term I've used before, substitutionary atonement. That's a big term to to just explain that Jesus became our substitute. When he was there on the cross, he wasn't bearing his own sin and his own rebellion. He was bearing ours. He became our substitute. That's what we deserved. We deserve to suffer on a cross for our sin and our rebellion, but Jesus took our place, willingly, graciously, took our place so that we might have life. He became condemned. In Jesus, God condemned sin in the flesh. Somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to endure the condemnation or else God would not be a righteous God. He would not be a righteous judge. But as he is righteous, he must demand satisfaction. A penalty had to be paid for our rebellion and God sent his son to be condemned in the flesh so that we might have life. He took our condemnation so that we might have his life. God sent his son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. To condemn sin in the flesh. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit Christ was a child born to die he was a child born to die from the very beginning he was born to bear our sins to bear our curse to bear our condemnation so that we might receive his well-earned life. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Father sent the Son to be condemned and the Son willingly became condemned for us. And finally, we see the third person of the Trinity involved here. As we see that it is the Holy Spirit who sets us free from condemnation. It is the Holy Spirit who sets us free from God's condemnation. We see here that this is a wonderful passage because we see all of the Trinity involved in redemption in these four little verses. We see here that the Father, He is the one who ordained our salvation. He ordained our salvation. It is the Father who sent the Son. He purposed it to happen. He sent the Son. The Son accomplished the work of redemption, the work of salvation, by coming, living a life in perfect obedience, and yet dying on the cross. And it is the Holy Spirit who then applies that salvation to us as he comes and he regenerates us. He remakes us in Christ Jesus. He applies God's redemption to us. And here we see the application of that salvation through the Holy Spirit in this passage. For the law of the Spirit of life, that is the Holy Spirit who brings life, has set you free in Christ From the law of sin and death. He has applied God's redemption, applied God's salvation to us. Going on down in verse 4. In order that, this is the reason for all of that. In order that, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who walk according to the Spirit, with the Spirit in, in them, living in them, regenerating them, remaking them, guiding them in the way of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who fulfills the righteous requirements of God's law in us. Well, How does he do that? Well, there's two ways that he does that. First, by imputing Christ's righteousness to us. That is, he adds Christ's righteousness to us. So, so, so here's the, the imagery that we have there of imputed righteousness, of, of him putting Christ's righteousness on us. You see, Christ lived that perfect life in obedience. And for us to stand before God, we, got, we have to have a perfect life of obedience before God. But we don't have that. And so the Holy Spirit, he clothes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Zechariah, one of the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, he writes about this. He, he gives us the imagery of this. There's the priest of God standing before God's throne of grace. And there's Satan. He's there accusing the priest of God. And the word comes from the throne. Get out of here, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. For I have provided what he needs. And he sends the angels to take off the dirty robe. To take off that priest's dirty robe, and clothe him in a white robe, a pure white robe. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. We stand condemned before God, but when we come to faith in Christ, when we come in Christ, as the passage says, the Holy Spirit takes off our sin-stained garments, he hangs it on the cross with Jesus and he takes Jesus' pure white robe of righteousness and he comes and he lays it over our shoulders now the righteous life, the obedient life of Jesus is on us when we trust in Jesus he gives us christ's righteousness but that's not the only way that he he brings the righteousness of the law he uh, completes the righteousness of the law in us because not only does he impute righteousness but he also empowers righteousness he empowers righteousness This is one of the great truths of the new testament you know i've heard somebody else say this before and, and i don't remember the person but they had it right Someone was talking about, you know, one day, we all talk about this. We all talk about, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to go talk to, to Moses. And I want to go talk to David. And I want to go talk to, to this Old Testament person and that one. And, and I want to see, how, what was it like, Moses, to sit there at the Red Sea and, and, and stick your staff in the Red Sea and see the waters depart? You know what Moses is going to say back to us who now live in the New Testament age? Moses is going to say, well, that was was pretty nifty, but you tell me, what was it like to have God the Spirit to live in you and empower you to live for God day after day? We have such a wonderful privilege this side of the cross that we have God the Holy Spirit living in us. Empowering us. There are so many here today, you are living unempowered because you don't believe the Holy Spirit has the power to overcome the sin in your life. But God has promised us that He will empower us. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us and empower us to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Dear friend, don't be defeated. You don't have to be defeated. We have a wonderful gift from God. that He sent His Son to die for us. Now He live, sends His Holy Spirit to live in us. Oh, what a wonderful gift. As the Holy Spirit comes and sets us free from condemnation and sets us free from sin, Oh, no, we'll never be perfect, not this side of glory. Oh, but we are empowered. If we are in Christ, we are empowered to live for God. Dear friend, dear friend, don't be defeated. Be empowered. Know the power of the Holy Spirit living in you day in and day out. Oh, there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus because the Father sent the Son to be condemned. The Son willingly became condemned for us. And now the Holy Spirit sets us free. He has set us free from condemnation as He dwells in us. As Christians, we celebrate Christ, our Savior, has been born. Oh, what a wonderful, glorious moment to celebrate. Christ, our Savior, has been born. He was born to deliver us from the condemnation of God. Condemnation that we rightly deserve. But let me ask you this, dear friend are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Because while there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, there is condemnation for those who are outside of Christ. If you are here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ, when you die, you will stand condemned before the Father because of your rebellion against Him. But the Father loves you, and He sent His Son to die on Calvary's cross for you. And He raised Him again from the dead to ensure you of your life in Him. You believe in Jesus, and give your life to Jesus. Today, He will save you. And you can know the joy of being set free from sin, set free from condemnation, and given life to live for God. If you will only believe. Will you believe in Christ today? Will you surrender your life to Him? Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, tonight and tomorrow, we will be spending time with our families, we will be exchanging gifts, we will be having a good time. But today, Lord, I know there's someone here who's never received the greatest gift of all. Salvation from your condemnation through Christ Jesus. Oh Lord, let today be the day of their glorious salvation. Let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus. Turn their hearts away from their rebellion and turn them to Christ so they may know the joy of your salvation through him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.